Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast in our two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I had the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we roll into another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat. This week probably a little bit shorter than usual times of the essence this week as James and I sit down to record this podcast. James, uh, you have to go pick someone up. I do have to go pick someone up, but also the, the topic today is... We're going for a director. We're going for probably one of Hollywood's most consistent, one of their most celebrated, one of their best. We're talking, obviously, about Christopher Nolan. And we've already talked about some of his films before. You and I had a deep dive into the Batman trilogy. We've spoken at length about some of his early work in other episodes. And also, coming up, we, we might, because of the nature of the films and the expectations and the reality and the complexity, it might be fun to find out what the fuck was going on in some of them. So we're just going to talk here, spit more, talk about Oppenheimer, the big film that's come out. Obviously, Barbenheimer this weekend. Um, not this weekend, but obviously that's what people are referring to it. So we're going to spitball about Christopher Nolan. What is his favourite movie? And the reason it's a bit shorter as well, because the reason this is, is we're having a disagreement if we've already had this conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, after 250 plus episodes, uh, there's a part of me that thinks we've done Nolan at some we, point. You got must have been, because I love Christopher Nolan. We talk about names, directors, film genres that get us in the cinema. And I mm. think you and I both agree, Christopher Nolan's film, we there. We were there on like opening Dave Dunkirk. You yeah. and I were sat there, we're, we're huge fans. We're sluts for the Nolan. I broke I broke out of the pandemic to go watch Tenant, yep. the movie that was going to save cinema. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when we probably talked about Nolan it's last. possible, was, yeah. Was it at Tenant times? And then uh, maybe in the Best of British episode, we yeah. talked about Nolan there. If we didn't, we can name it as one of many failures of the things we didn't discuss on the Best again, of British. I can only say sorry, Dad. All right, there's, there's nothing else I can say. <laughs> But this this week, yeah, it's a good one. You've had the chance to go see Oppenheimer. I haven't because I have a two-year-old and a job. And Well, you have a job, but <laughs> I think that sounds like you had nothing better to do. The, the, for I, once, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I've been on daddy duties. I am booked in to go watch it this Thursday. So um, we are going to talk about Oppenheimer. And then, yeah, maybe the things that make us tick about uh, Christopher Nolan and his movies. And I suppose the question, what's your favourite Christopher Nolan movie that isn't The Dark Knight? Yeah. It's yeah, so obvious. It is the obvious. I'm going to start off with, obviously, the film that's got cinema rebuzzing again because of the world that we live in and the pandemic and streaming sites and basically a living crisis. People can't afford to go. So I'm not a member of The Limitless, mate. Two tickets to cinema, 25 quid. That's cheap. And that's what I thought. I thought I thought it was more expensive than this. Limitless is 14.99. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> go no, no, no. Go I, I listened to a podcast, uh, American podcast this week, where they were talking about American cinema prices, and um, had loads of people write in, and I was, I was out, honest to god, like this dude was talking about like uh, in LA in the, the particular area that he goes to in the cinema that he goes to. All in all, to watch a movie was two hundred dollars. By the time he had factored in a babysitter, car park, fuel the food which was like extravagant like 40 bucks or whatever for like two cokes and a, and, a, and some popcorn the tickets which are in like 3D or 4DX or whatever with the kind of reclining chairs and the, the ones that wobble and jiggle when nuclear bombs go off all of that for Fast and Furious then <laughs> it's not or Barbie it is, or Barbie which I haven't seen which obviously would have made this weekend perfect starring the great talents of Killian Murphy Emily Blunt Matt Damon Robert Downey Jr could it get any more snacked it could because we've got Florence Pugh Josh Harnett that's where he is he's showing up here Casey Affleck Rami Malek Kenneth Balan to name but a few this chronicles the uh, American theoretical physicist who famously brought theoretical fusion to America mm. 
obviously J. Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atom, who helped create the Manhattan Project, which would obviously would lead to nuclear weapons being dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and the turmoil that he dealt with, or does he? You know, he famously said, I've become death. You know, the, the destroyer of worlds, obviously famously taken that from religious scripture. It is a Nolan film. <sighs> you ready? It's three hour. I heard about this. Tour de force of the writing that's worthy of finally getting you back in the cinema. So this mm. and Barbie obviously have made tremendous money this few uh, this opening weekend and few weeks to get people in. As the story goes, we dealt with an Oppenheimer told through three different timelines. We're told it through an an ally turned enemy of his. We're told it through his own interrogation. And we're also told it through just normal storytelling devices. So there's three succinct storylines all culminating in different right. Parts of his life. A yeah. Nolan film with yeah. three timelines and three different like points of view. No black holes, although they are mentioned several times. Because <laughs> it was the script was written in first person, wasn't it? It was, and also it was written from a book called The American Prometheus by adapted to screen by Chris Nolan. Yeah. Chris Nolan's got his fingers in all the pies. And it was written for Killian Murphy to star in. It was as well. Huge fan of Killian Murphy. It has been since it's the first Batman reference of the day since he first cast him. He's, he's been a bit in love with him and you could tell he's obviously been in a bit in love with Matt Damon who's followed him on the ride and Kenneth Branagh. So, I, yeah, I mean, th- this film, if it was if it was proper Nolan, yes, there should, like, I agree with you before, Anne, actually. I, I love Killian Murphy being in these films. I love him as Scarecrow and, and Dr. Crane. I love Inception. Yeah, I love all the incarnations of Killian Murphy. I, 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 he's a great guy. Love his acting. Yes. Um, if the if this was true, Nolan though, there should be a moment with how he has his time paradoxes and his his ability to blend time and make you confused. Mm. There should be a moment where older Matt Damon sees younger Matt Damon returning home from war in Sim Pro Ryan and being like, um, oh, "What?" <laughs> there should be a corridor moment where they pass each other. They should do, and then there should be one in the future where it's like from Interstellar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should just be there. He's a great cast, though. He is Florence a- Pugh, Robert Downey Jr. The, you know, new names to the to the uh, to the Nolan sphere, yeah. and I, I'll. So if I could just... So the story is very basic. It's about the creation of the atom bomb. But that's not... Other than a three-hour film, about an hour and 45 minutes, the, the spoilers, <laughs> the bomb is created. And I'm going to tell you something now. Christopher Nolan doesn't use CGI in this film. I know, this is scary. This is scary of what he does. And that's just his simple filmmaking. I was talking to my... I went to go see... I went to the cinema with my mum to watch it. I made a promise. She, was, she really wanted to see this film. Mm. We went. We were having a conversation afterwards. The lack of CGI, but also... I'm going to tell you, the absence of music in certain parts. The music is like a chorus of stamping feet that's rampant through the first 45 minutes. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And then the music, there are scenes where you can barely hear the words being spoken because the score is so loud. Mm. It gives you a really claustrophobic feeling, a worried feeling that anything could happen. The scenes before the bomb is dropped off, I'm going to tell you now, I needed to piss and I did not want to miss that scene. When was the last time you were in a cinema and you were like, like no, I need to sit here? Mm. Probably since Endgame. Endgame, yeah, yeah. That, that kind yeah. of feeling, the magic of cinema was You're, back. I mean, Endgame had that that worry that what what time, what moment would you leave the cinema during <laughs> Endgame? To, you know, because you're going to miss something. 
Um, what you're saying there about score, and we're going to talk about Nolan's other work and maybe say what our favourite Nolan masterpiece is, but score is so important with Nolan movies. If we look back to The Dark Knight, that single note, yes. cello uh, score throughout Scream that. throughout. But then when you're saying there about the, the marching, the, the you know, the footsteps, you, you know, I just think of Dunkirk with the ticking clock, you know, and yes. there, there's elements, isn't there, that of... of um, a Nolan experience. It's a film, but it's an experience. It's an endurance test for an audience member, I think, sometimes. And, and that's actually really good. That's actually really good. It's almost, I couldn't have actually put it better than how you just placed it. It is an endurance test of this tension that ramps up. But like I said, halfway, just over halfway point in the movie, the, the bomb's created. Now we deal with Oppenheimer and how he feels about creating this bomb. But also, and a great, I used to study history at university, a great period of modern history called McCarthyism, where after the war, they... Uh, went out and hunted down communists and they were the biggest thing. Oppenheimer famously had a communist tendency so he becomes public enemy number one. And you've got Robert Downey Jr.'s finest performance. I'm going to tell you now, Robert Downey Jr. will really? be up for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in this. And he will be in good company because I imagine Emily Blunt will be long, right along alongside him as Best Supporting Female Actor because she is something else in this film. It was tense, taut, obliterating to the nerves and senses, mm. on-your-seat tension. Don't know why I paid £25 for the seats, mate. Only just needed the, the edge. edge. Just needed the edge. That famous line. A score that's absent, but also pounding, like a heartbeat at one point, ratcheting up. Mm. The bomb, when it goes off, is sublime, gorgeous, almost taunting and dancing, but then epic destruction that, that you realise of the horror of his face of what he's accomplished Oppenheimer's scene where he's giving a speech about how great he is but having his doubts there's a phenomenal scene I don't want to go into spoilers but this is the art of the filmmaking is he walks through the crowd that's jubilant but he sees what it must have been like for the victims so in the crowd there's people making out but then when he, when he walks past another one, there's the, the same couple are now cowering in fear. He goes outside, someone's had something to drink too much and is vomiting. Sees them again, they're vomiting probably from radiation poisoning. He steps in a charred out carcass. You know, people are screaming for joy, but then he's intercut with screams of terror. Yeah. It is phenomenal. It, well, I, it, I'm not joking. Watching it was an experience. It, and you, we go to the cinema for experiences. It's odd that it's taken this long for this film to be made. And yeah. maybe maybe it's needed someone like a Nolan or a Spielberg to kind of direct it. But when you think of that, that's that premise that you said at the beginning is quite simple. It's not, it's obviously extremely complex and, you know, and, and difficult to ever really comprehend what it takes to create something so vicious the concept is simple. The man who invents or is the, the brains behind the most deadliest weapon at the time on the planet, mm. a war ender. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's a great, I mean, the weight on Killian Murphy's shoulders as well. That's something we don't really talk about often in movies is that I think there's only certain actors um, that portray roles with a weight and a clout. And you could say like superheroes, but they get the free films to yeah. build up to it. You know, they get you know, whatever it is. Also, Oppenheimer's, Oppenheimer's dangerous because Oppenheimer, this is a true biopic. So he did split the atom. He did create this bomb. He is mm. responsible for 100, I believe they mentioned it in the first two bombings, there's 107,000 instant deaths, not including the radiation burns and, and things that have gone. And he knows the number. And you think, that's very divisive. We live in, the world has never been more divided than it is right now. And some people would hate this man. To make a film about him is a bit, well, it's daring. I mean, I, the, can you imagine the bleak, film festival there'll be a World War 2 film festival at some point that kind of shows you films like um, you know Saving Private Ryan 
mixed with your films like um uh which Usually ones like an, an upbeat one. No, no, like with <laughs> Imitation Game where they're like oh, cracking yeah. the code. With Oppenheimer, yeah. with how they end the, the war. Do you know what I mean? Like there'll be some film festival at some point that will show you all the elements of that war at that time and all the different kind of key things that were happening. And then you'll just be like, oh my God, that is the bleakest film festival ever. So do you know what this film reminded me of? And I, I went to go see this film with you. 1917 was a spectacular yeah. visit. We went to the cinema and it was just great. The, the way it was shot. Mm. It was like breaking that, it had that experience of breaking a film down. Why did I love it so much? I was sat in the cinema and gross. It seduced me, mate. And it seduced me early. It had its way with me, but then it cuddled me after. This okay. Oppenheimer to me was the best film I've seen this year. And I, mm. I do put it... With Spider-Man. Above Spider-Man, Into the spider which was one of the best films I've ever seen as well. Mm. So Oppenheimer was brilliant. I really liked it. I, I'm, like I said, I'm going to go watch it Thursday. I've got a child-free evening. I've got three hours. Wear a nappy, mate. Don't miss it. Don't miss a minute of it. Do well, what I did, was just hold it in for like two and a half hours. By the end, mate, I was so happy that I didn't have to piss around waiting for an after-scenes credit as well. So <laughs> like, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, there's the, the, some controversy as well, isn't there, about Nolan apparently missing a load of people off the credits at the end of the movie. Oh, I did stick around. <laughs> <laughs> I did not stick around. But um, yeah, I will go watch it. And then I, no, I'm just going to have a big drink. And then if I need to, I'll use the cup afterwards. That's why I like you, mate. You're yeah. thinking. <laughs> so it begs the question then, if we're on a on a Nolan topic, and we, we are doing a, a, a slightly condensed episode this week, and the, the filmography is relatively short. It's an auteur it's short, film. Short and sweet. Yeah. It's Quentin Tarantino. When he stands yeah. on for a film, you know it's going to be good. Except for Tenet. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Doodlebug was short. Now, we have covered Doodlebug in, uh, when we did short films episodes. Yeah. And it's, a, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's stinks of Nolan when you watch it. <laughs> it's, it's, he's had a right riff on it's, it. It's a guy squashing a, a miniature guy. And not what looks like him. And then, of course, the moment he finally squishes him, he looks up and a... And a Big slipper comes down on him, and it's this repetition of acting. Yeah, so Doodlebug was his short. That I think Fucking Nolan. Yeah, it's like seven, eight minutes. Following was after that in 1998, which is. You heard um, about this? The, it My was, was telling me about this. I desperately want to see this film. Yeah, so it was all shot on weekends, low budget, around London. I, I haven't seen it. I know of it. I think. So fucking Nolan. <laughs> so Nolan. The big one, though, that I think most people is maybe entry level Nolan is Memento. Which I, I genuinely, I'm going to tell you now. If I tell me now, James, go tell me now. Is, is I'd actually put it up with the best film. I, I sign off early. I think Memento because it's so clever, but it's so clever without being in your face. Mm. It doesn't handhold you, but it does explain enough. It's a crime story told in such an imaginative way. Yeah, I love Memento. I genuinely, when I was watching the film, I didn't understand it. Then you understand it. If you don't know, Memento is shot backwards. So there's like three, four minute segments, and then you show the three and four segments that actually preceded that. So you start off at the end of the film and you work your way towards the beginning where you are just astounded by what you find out. You get this character that's got short-term memory loss, played by Les Bonas. I didn't see Guy... Guy Pearce, yeah. I mean, this... Well, actually, that's not true, because LA Confidential, he's pretty kick-ass in that as well. I, 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 this is the best Guy Pearce film. Yeah, exactly. Memento, he tattoos himself across his body. It's got some great performances. I genuinely think this film, if you just study the art of film, was daring. It's really the first time he got given money. Mm. He didn't have to work all weekend. <laughs> could have had Sunday off, mate. He could have. He could have. I think Memento is up there as one of his best works. Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, I forgot fan. Carrie Ann Moss. And Joe Pantaloni. Pantaloni, yeah. Yeah. That, that, you never yeah. know how to pronounce his surname. Um, yeah, I love Memento. Memento, if it's on, I will watch it. Guaranteed. Even if I'm like, I'm going to bed and yeah, then it's on, I'll, I love- I'll watch it. It's, it I, I really, really like that film. And I remember watching that probably when it came out 
have it on, on DVD or whatever when it came out and it being like, that's when I was really getting into film. When I, I was, was like 14, 15. It was also, yeah, exactly with you. But it also it hit, uh, when it came out, it was the right time. It, like he uses Polaroid cameras and mm. you just, at the time you're like, I'd love a Polaroid. Yeah. <laughs> Insomnia. In oh 2002, which I remember going to the cinema to watch this movie because my brother was the biggest Al Pacino, Robert De Niro fans. Yeah. And this movie came out and I was uh, getting into film and my brother was like, there's a new Al Pacino movie coming out. Now, my brother was uh, a bit older than me, but he was at that age where he was just, like, he had just, dis- not discovered, but his love for them two actors was at its highest. Maturing is was, what it was. This was the next film that came out that he could go watch in the cinema. So he'd done, like, the back catalogue. I'd watched, like, the Godfather movies with him. Heat, you know, I'd done all these kind of films with him. This was the one. And then he's like, no, there's an Alpacino movie coming out, like a, a fresh one that, you know, so we went to go watch it. Robin Williams as well. In a, uh, in a, Robin Williams in the turn. In I know a, yeah. you think you've done one hour photo before, but this mm. is probably his best one that he's killed a, he's killed a teenager and he's, he's after him, but he's got dirt on Al Pacino and Al Pacino's kind of corrupt, but at the same time, not really, but no, definitely he, is. He, he, well, he, he accidentally shoots his partner, doesn't but he? But then so, covers it up yeah, to get away with it. Yeah, so it's a, it's shot in a location where it's always sunshine. Um, you know, there's it's a, that time of year where there's no darkness and uh, the film's called Insomnia Al Pacino is the cop detective flown in solve the case solve the crime we as the audience member know who's done it we know uh, Williams has done it we just need to see if Al Pacino can figure out how he's done it Um, and in a uh, Hilary Swank Swank, Swank, and in a moment of confusion and fog he accidentally shoots the wrong person because he's tired he hasn't slept for a few days because he can't adjust to the always daylight um, and yeah, and That's Robin a, Williams sees him and starts to blackmail him. And Hilary Swank is the good moral detective that, that we then follow. There's a great scene where he shows up at the hotel first with the nurse from ER. That's right, I got an ER reference in there. And it's uh, like, like let's let's go get him out of school. And she went, we well, can't. It's one in the morning. Yeah, and it's like gorgeous white, like bright lights. Is it, I love that film. Insomnia. Mm. So far, let's be honest, ten on ten. Yeah. This career is amazing. Insomnia is a great film. Yeah. Um, now he signs on to a little movie in um, 2005 called Batman Begins. Never heard of it. Batman which, will uh, never be anything. <laughs> which he says he needed to finance a film that he already had in the pipeline, which wouldn't come out until 2010, five years later. And that was Inception. Mm. So he needed the Batman Begins and he needed the credibility and the weight to be able to go into a, 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 a studio's office and say, I need 200 million because I want DiCaprio and I want to do this film. Hey, again, the one thing that you always say about um, Christopher Nolan is he will take a bet Batman you got to remember as well box office poisoned by this stage was it kind of destroyed the comic book career no one cared about Batman Batman was a bit of a joke George Clooney had stuck his fucking I, don't know, I genuinely was going to go with a different metaphor he's put, his Clooney, metaphor. He put his Clooney all over it Val Kilmer's had a go but it was Schumacher who really finished it off yeah. um, no one wanted to touch it but the one thing we never had for all these Batman stories we hadn't had an origin on the big screen we went back to it we and do you know what's great about this film? And I said this when we were discussing the Batman trilogy. The film did a really good job of why a billionaire would dress up like a bat to fight yeah. crime, which is which is kind of, that's very well played. Yeah, I, I, the, it has a weird, it, it has, it's almost un, it's almost unfair that I remember coming out of that movie <laughs> going, oh, and going, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and it's weird looking at his, his filmography. Batman's maybe the most sensible movie in there. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> And I watched that and I loved it. And I loved the Scarecrow element. I was I remember at the time being slightly peeved off. Killian Murphy will never amount to nothing, mate. Well, and Killian Murphy screen test for Batman. Have you seen them videos? No. There's videos on YouTube of him in the in the cow and the bat suit. But because Killian Murphy, because this movie's like coming up to like 18 years ago, he's he's a lot younger, thinner. Mm. Um, you know, this is like 28 days later, <laughs> Killian Murphy. And so he 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 looks like, and I mean this with 
I, I, you know, he looks like a, like a, a boy who's just put the outfit on just while, like the, while the dad's out of the room. <laughs> he looks like he's won a competition to be Batman for an hour. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it, and the, it, the screen test is a bit laughable, but then he obviously makes a brilliant Dr. Craig yeah, absolutely uh, as, as Scarecrow. And that... And that's it, isn't it? I mean, often you hear about actors going up for a role, they don't get it, so they get a secondary uh, character, but he made that role his own. Like, Scarecrow yeah. all of a sudden becomes a fucking badass villain in a film where, again, you you know, you you think of how many Batman villains they could pick, and they yeah. just hit the nail on the head with that one and Rajal Gould, played by Liam Neeson. And I really, really like Batman Begins. At the time, as a kid, I remember being like, no, they've changed the origin. Like this is this is like you know, the Joker killed his his parents, you know. And I remember mm. being like that, and and naive and not really realizing actually you can have multiple stories for the do. same character. Yeah. Um, but I I like that one. It it is weird if you break if you watch the three Batman films though in con- in concession, like immediately after each other, you kind of like oh after the first film Batman kind of saves Gotham then because it it's no longer a shithole like that inner Gotham. Yeah. That, like the police are like we didn't go in there. Yeah. That goes oh, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And I kind of wanted a little bit more of you that. You wanted a little bit more shit got them. Yeah. Well, to be fair, in the third one, don't they? What I love about it is they cleaned up the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do I do like the way that at the end of that first movie as well. He's like, I, I thought you didn't kill anyone. I don't have to kill you. I just have to save you. He's like, oh, well, so you kind of killed him. Killed him yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of condemn him to death. And then when the Joker blows up all of Gotham, he's like, no, I will save you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Batman Begins is. Out of the three Batman movies, the one I like to go back to the most. Yeah. What? Mm. Oh. Because Dark Knight, as we'll get on to, is a, is a fine wine I don't want to ruin. There are films like that. Yeah. Christopher Nolan's got a lot of them. There are, there are films that, there are films out there that are so good you don't want to rewatch them because if the film really upsets me, I can't remember the name of it, but I will never rewatch it because I don't want to feel that shit about myself. Dark Knight Returns, it's just, it's the third one. No one goes to the third one. Heathens. Yeah. So yeah, Batman Begins, I love revisiting. Now, in it, 2006, a great ditty of a movie with our favourite Hugh Jackman. I, this film shouldn't have been as good as it was as well, bearing in mind that the, in the end it is actually magic. And let's never forget, like, I'm sorry, but David Bowie's in this. David Bowie, Andy Serkis, <laughs> Christian Bale, Scarlett Johansson, Michael Caine, obviously, because it's a... It's a obviously. <laughs> yeah. Who's it? Amy Fisher? Not Amy Fisher. Who's uh, the... Oh, no, it's not. Rebecca I've, Hall. I, I've got it confused with... Um, now you see me. That's what I've done. Because I'm oh, an yeah. idiot. Um, those, those, those films that Nolan famously directed. <laughs> <laughs> the, this, the Prestige is odd. It came out at the same time as The Illusionist, wasn't it? It did. And it's and like absolutely Edward fucking destroyed it. Like, like no one remembers that. It's yeah. like Deep Impact. What? But Armageddon. This, 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 oh, all right. This, this is the, this is, spoilers. It's a twin, isn't it? That's the big twist towards it the end. It is a twin. Yeah, which. It, which Michael Caine has been screaming at yeah. since the start of that. But Hugh Jump was like, no, it's real magic. And then goes and actually creates magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's odd that actually that bit, isn't it? <laughs> he steals uh, Nick Tesla's machine, mm. uh, David Bowie, and creates real magic. When in reality, and, and he creates, and he's like, I never knew which one I was going to be. I knew I was going to be the one that survived or the one that died. In a, and you know, he, he goes so dark, doesn't he? Because he blinds all his people. You're like, what dick magician to work? Mm. He's like, do you want a job? Yeah, yeah. well, give us your eyes then. <laughs> no, <laughs> I. Th- there's something I really love though about kind of that time, that that period yeah. of filmmaking, you know, and and the people that, you know, use their money, you know, their their hard earned cash to go watch the the illusionist, the magician, the the freak show, you know, the, the pay for the what they call the penny dreadfuls, all that kind of that era, you know, of um of filmmaking. Kind of like that Jack the Ripper 
Jekyll and Hyde kind of feel yeah. to it. And this, you know, it's Hugh Jackman in the top hat for for two hours, you know, and and, and David Bowie acting brilliantly, like yeah. making you don't see his penis once in this film. Toning for the penis. Good tell you as well, and it's my combo block. Michael Caine is phenomenal in this film. Mm. He he's he's he he doesn't narrate, but he is the narrator telling you about the three different stages, literally explaining to you yeah. the purpose of the film. But when when you rewatch it, like, oh, Michael Caine's telling you what's going to happen. Mm. I love that. Michael Caine's a brilliant framing device for anything. Yeah, Caine has some great scenes in, in a lot of these films. Yeah, he loves Caine. Yeah. I think Caine's best one is in the third Batman film, yeah, he's in the say, best of anything that's, that's, that's the moment, yeah. 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 Uh, I couldn't save him, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight, 2008. Fucking... We've talked this to the, death the, on this the, the great debate, is it the greatest comic book film of all time? Is it, it, is it one of the best movies of all time? It, it is one of the best performances of all time. It yeah. turned comic book heroes into actual heroes and turned villains into actual villains. It was, we, we can't talk more about... A great debate is, I don't know if it's still the greatest comic book movie of all time. The, but that's a debate for another time. Yeah, this, the, 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 whenever I watch it, there are two scenes. There's, there's maybe three things that... It's when it goes to Hong Kong. I, I can get, I get through all that because oh, okay. I, I like seeing my Batman in international waters. I uh, <laughs> you have always said that every yeah. week. <laughs> I uh, no the three things is one not a lot of detective work in this, no, and they, then when but, you but do they, see the detective work, you're bullshit, like, oh. isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's bullshit. I still don't understand He kind of destroys a bullet to to make a but, so it's, not the, of, but it's not the bullet. No, but he's <laughs> but he gets he's got the pieces. He needs to know how the bullet would blow up so yeah. he can use his technology to recreate the pieces to find the fingerprint. So how does he get a fingerprint? Because they're already on the bullet that yeah, he has. Yeah, but how does he the get the little? How does he get the fragments of it? Bearing in mind that the brick doesn't. He doesn't. It's bullshit, mate. Yeah, I don't know all that bit. <laughs> but one of the greatest but, openings of all time. Oh yeah. Well, all the Joker stuff is, yeah. is phenomenal. Um, all the Joker stuff's brilliant. The majority of the Batman stuff. It's just I was like, not enough detective work. Then when there is detective work, I'm like, bullshit. oh. And then the sonar bit towards the end, I'm a bit like, ah, you know, they. I yeah. kind of wanted the de- like the detective work, and I get it. I get what I get. I like it because what it does, it gives Lucian Fox the the brilliant moment of being like, "I will not work for you while this technology exists." And then gets, and to, then he blows it up. So it has that really good, like everyone wins at the end of this film. Yeah, that's kind good of feel to it. But God, I want to see a bit more detective work getting to the Joker, like Batman beating him on his terms, not like I had to resort to this. Yeah. But then again, I suppose that that what that think, does it levels the Joker up, shows how good he is in it. It's, it's, it we're debating. We said we weren't going to debate it. We're here. We're talking about it. It, the Dark Knight, arguably one of his best work. It's one of the best films of all time. It, it you know, deservedly so. Two thousand ten yeah. was a film that I loved. Inception. I think everyone's there with you. I remember talking. This this was a tour de force that summer. Everyone was talking about Inception. You know, people were talking about how complex it was, and which I never agreed with. It's a dream within a dream within a dream. It's actually quite simple. Great performance from Leonardo DiCaprio. Great performance from Elliot Page. Elliot Page. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Tom Hardy. This is the first first film I saw Tom Hardy in. And this is what I was going to say. And then Tom Hardy probably getting his Tom Hardy badges for this because I'd seen him as the villain in Star Trek Nemesis and was like, this guy's going to go fucking nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Into rehab. There you go. Because uh, I was reading a Tom Hardy interview this week where and that he, film was so bad. He thought that was it. He thought he was going to break Shit. out. And then, um, you know, he's like, I've been in a Star Trek movie. I'm I'm set. And apparently blew a load of money, turned to alcohol, all this kind of stuff, oh. went into rehab, uh, came out, started again, started back in theatre, um, and then worked his way all the way back up again. And, 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 and deservedly so. Yeah, and this yeah. is what we get since. But it's a huge film, this. Pete Postleworth in it. Well, one of his last roles as well. Mark Kane in it. Oh, shocking. Yeah. 
Um, I reckon uh, Killian Murphy might Killian show Murphy's up. Killian Murphy's in it. Marion Cotillard. It's it's a huge film. Oh, I, she's so good in this. I remember I the trailer though as well. I remember the trailer of like Leo and Elliot Page being at, at the cafe or walking on the bridge, whatever it is, yeah. and then the city like folding around them. Yeah, and it's still it's one got the of, horn in it as well, playing as well. You don't hear the dialogue. Yeah, and it's still got one of the best cliffhanger endings. Like the, yeah, people talk if there was ever a moment where Nolan whipped his balls out on the table. And, you, and do you know what, actually, we're 28 minutes in and I thought we've been really professional and I'm saying it, he whips his balls out on Gets the table balls out, mate. with that little spindle thing at the end and it's got just enough wobble for people to go, <gasps> in the cinema, people gasped and I could, in our cinema, you know, at the time, you know, it had an escalator, a big escalator coming down so you could hear conversation, everyone, what do you think? Do you think it was in dream? Do you think, is he all right? You know, and it was, ah, oh, brilliant film. Only, brilliant. Down, only downside and it's it's what are third friend used to say back a day got a snow level <laughs> there is a snow level there's a snow level it's up there with a sewer level can't, there's, there's, can't a very, out there's a very James Bond-esque feel to that yes. snow level it's, it's almost as if it's like they had too much budget but yeah. they were like I'll just blow it um, yeah and that and you you really can't go to the loo in that you can't yeah. go to the toilet in a moment where it's like no right in a dream time slows down yeah do you know what I mean and and <laughs> because you'll be like hey why is that car still going off the bridge? And all those things that are happening at, at that point. Forgot about that. Um, <coughs> Dark Knight Rises. Uh, we've we spoken about it. It's perfectly acceptable. It, it suffers from bad, bad, not bad writing, but convenience. It's all right. It's fine. Like the, it. the police are underground for so long. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's the, the old Humpty Dumpty scenario. Yeah, isn't it? Send everyone, everyone. But my problem is, my genuine my problem with it is the prison that's supposed to be so badass. It's just full of like old blokes going Lazarus Pit. Yeah, yeah they're all just like, oh, the reason why it's the worst place in the world is because there's a rope there and you've got hope. Be like, no, I reckon if you're like knee deep in shit and, yeah. and rats and some guy was just stabbing you and taking liberties with you, that might be worse. Yeah. Basically. It's not that bad. There's a telly in one of the cells. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's got Gotham TV on it. It's a fucking great signal. He's broken his back. He's very rich. They leave him alone. I, I genuinely think his prison's going pretty good. If there I'm honest. A, there is a moment as well in it where... Every time I watch it, I know you know know the ending. The ending is you know that in Italy, you know we're seeing a Carl and and Batman. I love that. And ending. there's a nod with Alfred. You know, and it's a beautiful ending to a perfect trilogy. Yeah. But there is the scene where Batman comes back and Selena Cow's Catwoman's like, "Oh, you're alive, then." <laughs> Like, well, we've got half hour to get to you guys in Italy, so there's got to be a lot of development coming on. Um, God's got the best speech though. Yeah, like, like he, he, oh, I was tearing up in the cinema when he, when he gave that speech. I failed you. I failed you, sir. Um, yeah. I, I re- and what I realised as well is how Bane goes out of it. You're like a bitch. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, is it Gangs of New York where Leo just rolls over and stabs him? Yeah, but yeah. It, you mean when it spends like, what I what can only assume is 12 hours being up to an epic fight and then, and in the end, nothing happens. He just rolls over and stabs him because he could never beat the butcher. Yeah. But never... I like that about the Batman film. It's like, oh, you know, he comes back stronger. He's had his, he's had his serum or whatever. He's got <laughs> he's, out he's the had his porridge. He's yeah. grand. And, and they're, they're fighting on the steps where... And there's just a really bad dialogue before that. Oh, you're alive. Yes. So I could defeat you. <laughs> they fight. And it's like, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, it's like Rocky Four. Do you know what I mean? Rocky Three, sorry. Oh. Like coming back and taking on Clubber Lang. I, but, love, I love as well. But like then this. she just rolls in. She's like, bye. <laughs> what, what I do love, what I do love is, sorry, we'll get off it in a sec, is they've got the nuclear weapon constantly traveling around Gotham. Mm. Why? 
yeah. just just put in a building that no one it's like a level of GTA, isn't it? It's just like why? It's, uh, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> just so anyone looks out the window, still here. The bombs are here. And yeah. also, also, if you remember Gotham, right? I'm I'm Gotham, and you're Bane. You come in. I'm watching a football game with the fucking. I, Oh, I demand Steelers, weren't they? They're yeah. the Steelers. You blow it up, and then you give me a speech about how you're like, "Oh, we're going to survive without the outside influence." I was like, "Why'd you kill all these people to yeah. prove this point?" You the people, <laughs> and, and then he's like, this and, then, is- "And I was fucking loving it." <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "This is guy. This is the only guy that can uh, disarm the bomb, breaks his neck." I remember being in the cinema, someone behind me went, "Oh shit." <laughs> I mean, Bane was intimidated. He was not just in size, but as as a brute, as a, 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 a fucking unnecessary opening. Yeah, talk about extra. Yeah. Fucking hell! Like Man, I, I love the scene where he meets Batman for the first time, breaks his back, and because he's got his mask on, and because Batman's doing his growly voice, I sadly got. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> what, where's he going? The League of Shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, using shadows. <laughs> I was born in the shadows. <laughs> All that shit. Yeah. But I like it because there's no score. Yes. It's just the water and the sound of paint <laughs> beating shit out of Batman. <laughs> it, it's a brutal scene. And you've got obviously brutal. Selena, Kyle's character, because uh, Catwoman, kind of Having watching but not being able to do yeah. anything. And then she finds out it's Bruce Wayne and she's shocked. He's like, oh, oh, I thought you knew. Like, yeah. like that's played for nothing. Yeah, it's right. I like Dark Knight Rises. There's a lot to it to yeah. unpack. It's the weakest of the three, but uh, yeah, that that beginning bit, it's fucking so extra, isn't it? It's so extra. <laughs> I love the fact that he gets his powers back when he puts a knee brace on. It's, what's his name, isn't it? It's like Littlefinger from um, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he's like, uh, one of you gets to live. Why does he wear a mask? <laughs> yeah. Does it hurt? <laughs> what? Obviously you could find, like look at the fucking size of him. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy's normal. Yeah. I start Maybe. with start with the fucking huge one in the middle. Maybe he wonders why you chew him and then throw him out of the plane. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very valid. There's a big hoo-ha, wasn't there? Because he did the voice, then he redid the voice, then he went back to the first voice. I remember being in the cinema going, oh, that's the voice they went with. <laughs> How bad was that second voice? <laughs> but, then, but then a lot of Nolan's use of... of, uh, of Hardy is him with a face mask on. Like you think of like Dunkirk. He's, yeah, he's like yeah, the Academy Award goes for Tom Hardy's eyebrows because because he doesn't use anything else on his face. <laughs> oh, you fuckers! Nearly swallowed my tongue. Then. <laughs> Talking of which, uh, no, sorry, Interstellar, two thousand and fourteen. Oh my god, that that was that was fucking, a fucking people said Inception was complicated. Was it? Boss. Interstellar at this point, I remember watching that, being like, what. You and, hey. I, you and I came out of cinema and we walked across the road we were, my car I believe was about 10 minutes away we were there with your wife and I think we we sat in the car we hadn't spoken a word to each other we just got in the car and I think it just turned to you I don't know if that was a masterpiece or I just didn't fucking understand it it was a tour de force of McConaughey Macon- this is McConaughey this yeah. is up there this is one of the three stages of McConaughey uh, yeah it was it, that, I mean that part of it is brilliant Michael Caine again obviously um, and, and halfway returning Jessica Chastain Mackenzie Foy John Lithgow Timothy Chalamet. I remember reading this, uh, seeing this review as well about Timothy Chalamet in it because he's mm. only in one scene. I was going to say I don't even remember him being in it. Yeah, and uh, him being like, oh, I thought, I, was, I thought, like, you know, it's, it was this interview where he's supposed to come across as cute, but he just comes across as like really entitled. He's like, <laughs> I thought I was going to be in the film more. It's like, yeah, you're like boy free. <laughs> like, you know, like, I remember the trailer for this just being it's it loads and loads of fields of corn. 
Like, and then a space rocket lifts off and it's like in a cellar. And you were just remember thinking, oh, is it about like Apollo 11? Is it balls? Is it about <laughs> fucking space travel and black holes? And I remember the scientific community being like, they were frothing it a bit because it was scientifically accurate. Mm. And the big scene, the big set piece being they go on a planet that's near a black hole where time slows down for them. But And they go back to the ship and there's guys like, you've been away for 60 years. The next day, the next day they fucking kill him. They kill him, yeah. <laughs> You're like, He's been hovering above that planet for 17 years while they've been down there for two minutes. <laughs> Like, and then they come back and they blow up and the only guy that dies is the guy that waited for him. <laughs> it's like, why would you bother? Uh, and then you've got an absolute dick term. And I, do you know what? I'm going to tell you now, on a massive Matt Damon high at the minute, I, I think he's got it. Mm. And I remember him showing up at the end and he's a cock. And I love that. He wants, He's not the all-American hero. He, he just wants to survive. Yeah. I love that. I, I really like Interstellar. I have not rushed back to rewatch it, but I probably That's on the enjoyed list. it. Um Next, we've got uh, Dunkirk 2017. Yeah, we 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 actually recall loads of this. It, 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 Dunkirk was incredible because it wasn't particularly violent and bloody like film, you know, because you could hold obviously parallels to like Saving Private Ryan in terms of like it was a different war movie. It yeah. was it was it, there was kind of like this hopelessness. It wasn't about action set pieces; it was about survival. Like it, I want to say Harry Styles when he when they go on that boat and they try to sail themselves. That's pretty cool. Or the lost damsel as in, oh, fuck, I just realised they do that stupid time thing in this, don't they? Yeah, so this is, that confused this is the same, me. This is the yeah. same uh, same part of time, but one is, land, it's Lancy in here, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Army, Navy and, and RAF is, is the angle of the film and how time is manipulated in those different environments. So um, to those on the beach trying to survive whilst help is on the way, it feels like an eternity whilst those that are on the boats and obviously those on the planes, it's times yeah. much quicker. So, I mean, Mark Rylance begs the question, what, how's it taken that long for Mark Rylance to get into a Nolan film? And also, bearing in mind, he just gets a boat. He's like, all right, go on, lad. Yeah, go, go on, lad. <laughs> go on, lad. Um, get Tom Hardy, who's probably the most famous he's been, cover his face so a lot of people go, mm. is that Tom Hardy? Barry is, Keenan, is who we now know, obviously, from yeah. you know, Ban- uh, Banshees of Inner Sheeran and obviously the Joker in the new uh, Robert Pattinson Batman movie. But and Eternals, mate. Never forget Eternals. Eternals never forget. Like, like everyone else. <laughs> Um, I, I I really liked this movie. I think I went with my dad to watch this one. Yeah, I, I remember watching this one, thinking it's cracking. Um, yeah, Harry and also Styles also well, yeah. uses a load of actors that weren't really big, so that you... Kenneth Branagh never heard of him. Yeah, but Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, go right, good point. <laughs> what I love, what I like as well is that the characters aren't heroes. Like, I'm fairly certain Harry Styles spends the entire movie trying to like survive, trying to survive, get yeah. out of things. Like he's not honourable. He's like, just get me off this fucking yeah, beach. Like anyone would be. And then there's that scene as well where they go home and. You, you know, they think they're going to be spat at, you know, like I think many American soldiers were when they came back from Vietnam. But in this case, they're like, you know, we, we're returning home. They're going to hate us. And yeah. there's all that, that scene, which again was like, I remember being in the cinema thinking, fuck, I never even thought about that. Yeah. You know, the impact of coming home, you know, um, Dun- Dunker, I thought was brilliant. And to be able to maintain it in a 12A, yeah. again, I, I thought it was a real test. Um, bit of a gap because of obviously the pandemic, but then a film that was shot before, then comes out during was the movie Tenant in 2020. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that I, I I don't think this film helps with the pressure because this film was going to save cinema. Like the pandemic, it was, we were, they reopened the cinema to show this film. They were like, don't worry, you can see Tenant. It was almost as if like the film industry put all of his eggs in his basket. Tenant was like, Tenant will be the film to bring you in. It's Christopher Nolan, he did The Dark Knight, you loved The Dark Knight. Interstellar, you loved Interstellar. Dunkirk, you loved that. You will love this, don't worry. I think those expectations were too high and I thought the film was, the film was, 
it's, it's too smart for its own good. I genuinely don't. Someone said, oh, it's because you don't understand it. I don't care. It, it does a very bad job. And what really hurts me is I really love the main character. He was hot from uh, uh, Black Klansman. I was really looking David forward. David Washington Jr. David, I was really looking no, forward to seeing David him. David Washington. Then the Washington's son, was it? Um, yeah. John David Washington. John David Washington. I believe it's John David Washington. Yeah, John David Washington. Um, yeah. And then you've even got... Which, oh, and while I'm at it, John David Washington has a movie on Netflix called Beckett. I keep saying it every week. I said it like about two weeks ago. Yeah. More people need to find this film because it was not advertised anywhere and it's really, really good. Beckett on Beckett. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. About a Greek holiday uh, where during a like a rebellion and, and he witnesses something. It's okay. a really good, good Netflix movie that I'd stumbled on and was like, I like this guy. Beckett. I was like, why is no one talking about this film? This film's fucking brilliant. Beckett's really good. Beckett, Netflix. Netflix. Um, so I just feel like this film crushed under the weight of so many people's expectations. It's not really its fault. Yeah. The, the microscope this was under. Not a fan. See, I'm a, I'm a tenant defender. I'm not going to say it's brilliant. I'm not going to say it's top three Nolan movies. I, I remember watching it and... I think the older you get and the more films you see, you start asking things like, I mean, some films are just, just every grain of your body says that film is great. Always you look for things. You're like, okay, you know, that had a good performance in it, had a, a character arc in it that I quite enjoyed. It had a storyline I hadn't seen. Tennant gave me a lot I had never seen before in cinema. And we always have a saying in this podcast about, I'd rather see someone aim and fail than someone stick to the safe one and give us, yeah. you know, and there, there was a point at the end of this film where I think I had like a kind of almost laughed out loud of how mind boggling this is where there's two platoons attacking something. One's going forward, one's going backwards. And you see yeah. a building explode at the same time as build itself. And I remember just being in the cinema being like, I, I fucking know, like this is, this is insane. I thought Rob Pattinson was, that was also a turning point for his career for me he as well. Was. I'd seen yeah. some films with him at high, Good Times and, and some others where I thought, yeah, he's he's an interesting bloke. He's done the Twilight thing. He's set for life and now he's choosing passion projects, which fucking hats off to him. You know, really good actor. Um, it had a really good ending as well that felt like almost James Bond-esque. You know, he's like, he says, uh, well, I'll see you again. And he's like, for me, this is the big, you know, this, for you, this is the end, but for me, it's the beginning. And it's like, right to the end, I was like, they're playing on that theme. I've, there are some things I disagree with. Like, I think it has that thing where there's just too many set pieces at the end of the film that have to be in line for it to work. You know, she needs to do this here. He needs to do that there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is all mind boggling. And that's very Nolan-esque. They're all asked to sync up and, and mirror. And Kenneth Branagh is again as the villain. I'm like, I didn't, I don't know if I really sell that, but there is that really good scene where you see him go, and you've just seen a car sequence on a motorway where a car's going backwards. And at that point in the film, I was like, I get this now. We're going to see how that happens because that scene happens in the middle of the film. Mm. So now we're going to go the other way. And so there was a lot to it that I was like, I'm enjoying the experience of this, yeah. like the the playfulness of it. Um, you know, there's a scene where he fights himself. And one's going forward, one's going backwards. I don't even know how you begin to choreograph that and film that. And I knew it was here, you know, not, you know, I think a lot of people knew, you know, he was fighting himself, but the other one's masked because he's going the other way. I think you know that that's it, but it still doesn't take it away from being any less fun of like, how the fuck did they film that? And who comes up with this idea and how did they execute it? You're right. I think the pressure, the pandemic, the fact that it does come off as a little bit too a little bit too Nolan. You know? It is very Nolan. Yeah, it does come across as a bit too, you know, Interstellar was pushing it, this this, this went over the yeah. edge. But I did enjoy it. I did think <laughs> I did think it was a good, good film. Not Nolan's best, not his top three, but 
I, I would defend, I thought Ted and I would much rather see someone aim like that because yeah. if you don't, you don't get mementos. Yeah, and, true. You know, and you don't get. Um, well, he's never been afraid to take a risk, has he? Let's be uh, honest. Yeah. Like this is like and the the sequel to Memento. The Memento is told backwards, and he's this the only is, guy that goes into a production studio. Is like I need two hundred million for an original idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like what is it going to be? Oh, the film's going to be about going backwards. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, it's yeah. solved. Yeah, Inception. Oh, it's about dreaming a dream, dream, and I want Leo to do it. Oh, and I wrote the film ten years ago, but I've been waiting to for, you know for the right time to do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, totally. He, Go. Balls on table, mate. That's what no, it mate, is. Mate, balls on table. It's like, oh, can you save the Superman franchise now? No, no. But I'll get my ball out. <laughs> <laughs> and then Oppenheimer, as we said there, is, as you know, as his as his uh, latest release. So James, what's your top Nolan movie? Do you know what? If you'd asked me a few days ago, I was going to stick to my guns and say, I'll surprise Aaron. I'll go Memento because it was a life changing film. But then you know, Heart of Hearts is definitely Interstellar until quarter past four today when it changed to Oppenheimer, which is the best Christopher Nolan movie, in my opinion. Um, I think the best Nolan movie, in terms of its writing, pacing, its, its payoff towards the end of the film, <sighs> there's pressure. There's a lot of pressure, and, mate. And, and I've you know gone what? with the new one that you haven't even seen. Do you so. know we always talk about, like, the, uh, the smug person at the party who's yeah. like, Oh, my favorite Tarantino movie is Jackie Brown. It's like fuck off, is it? It's Pulp Fiction. Like everyone else, come on. The Prestige is what that person would say. Oh, yeah. it's the Prestige, mate. You don't understand. You don't understand the essence of. You say Bowie Prestige, man, walking out. No, I don't think it is Prestige. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I, I. The thing is, what I've really liked to go through this is I have memories of all of them. I remember yes. going with my brother to watch films. I remember watching Memento on DVD. I remember the confusion of the Prestige. I remember the love and the press campaign for The Dark Knight and how everyone was fucking talking about it. I love the craziness of Inception. Interstellar, I loved just the, the mind-bogglingness of it. I think my favourite out of all of these, though, I think it has to be The Dark Knight. I yeah. still can't break the chain that is The Dark Knight. I think it just has that grip. And I'm the guy who said I thought Logan was the best superhero movie ever yeah. made. Do you, know what, do you know what part of me was like? Part of me still thinks it, it's the Dark Knight, but, but there's just something. Maybe it's because it's fresh in my mind. Oppenheimer blew everything else away. I am looking forward to it on Thursday, so I won't talk about it next week because uh, we're recording two episodes back to back today. Yeah, we break that break that illusion. Yeah, but I will <laughs> when I've seen it, we will have a, a big allows time for us to break to, to exactly. spoil it. Um, because next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a little bit of a catch up with some films that we haven't uh, had a chance to talk about. We've got a little bit of a theme. James, you're going to take some films to court. I'm going to take some films and some Hollywood with crimes. No, not real crimes. No, <laughs> because no. because fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and we've we, and I've and I've I had the idea of we've done things where we've changed letters in films to make them completely different. Jurassic Bone. No, I, I can't remember what my last. I've, one. I've now up. added words to films <laughs> to make them in mundane. So we're going to talk about that next week. On top of a spoiler conversation on the Flash. All about time. So that is our show for that week. Thank you and, so much for listening. And don't forget as well, for August, we, we'll be talking about the coolest film characters of all time. Remy Green has already got in touch and given him his. If you want to get in touch, get in touch. Let us know what yours are. We'll read them out. We're going to be exploring the top coolest characters in film. And can anyone beat Indiana Jones? Which is pretty much There's the bar. Which is the bar. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>